in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. What a curious day as we return to the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien. So curious, in fact, that on a Tuesday morning, October 9th, someone logged into our web server. That person somehow got our login name and password, and then they made a change to the server so it wouldn't run any sites. So we were down for several hours. Curious indeed. Yeah, hackers in black. Yeah, I wonder about that. In this case, I guess it isn't hard to figure out one's username or one's password, although both have since been changed. But I'll be technical about it for those who care. Okay, it's a very simple technical answer. And I realize some of the listeners to the PowerCast also hear our other show, The Tech Night Owl Live. So this is how we explain it. Here's how it works. There is a way of running websites called Apache. It's an application, just like you have an application for your word processor like Microsoft Word or Apple's Pages. You have something called Apache, which runs a web server that feeds websites around the world. So what somebody did is they installed another copy of Apache, and the other copy, of course, didn't feed our sites. So our sites went offline. Ain't that curious? That's the kind of thing that isn't obvious. They didn't hack our files or anything like that. All they did was this little trick. So it required somebody who had the technical capabilities of not just getting into someone's server, but running the commands that enabled this to happen. Weird. Do do you know what the word Apache means and where it comes from? Yes, it's an Indian word. It's a Zuni word. And when the Diné arrived in the Southwest, Apache is, uh, Apache is the Zuni word for very bad people. I bet you didn't know that. So it's now you know the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey once said. No, I did not know that. (laughs) But it's nice to have that information because Apache is the world's most popular web server software. Okay, so what that means is more sites are run with Apache than just about any other web server application, even Microsoft. There are more Apache sites around the world than Microsoft server sites. Isn't that interesting? Of course, the difference is Apache is free. Yeah, this is good. I like open source. That's, That's always good. That's what it is. There's an Apache foundation. It's open source. Developers around the world contribute it to make a better web because the Internet's supposed to be open. Yeah, this is true. So that's what happened. After a few hours, they figured out what went wrong, and the people who run our websites found the solution, which was basically to go back to the other version of Apache, and now right. they're investigating to see who acted into the server. Yeah, that was my next question is, uh, how about the backside of this? Are uh, we tracking down IP addresses and that sort of thing? and. Yeah, we found someone who logged in from Austin, Texas. Mm. Now, Austin, Texas is a very highly affluent area of Texas. A lot of tech-savvy people live there. A lot of companies such as Dell and, of course, Apple have offices in Austin, Texas. Hal Putoff. So Hal Putoff did it. I don't even know Hal Putoff. (laughs) Tell our listeners who Hal Putoff is. Hal Putoff is a world-class physicist that um, uh, helped create and start the Stanford Research Institute uh, SRI back in the early 70s. 
where some of the first remote viewing experiments and protocols were were done and, and devised. And he has since gone on to um, become quite a well-known physicist. Uh, he's working on dark dark matter and energy, uh, dark energy, uh, that sort of thing. He's he's uh, been involved as a as a consultant uh, for the National Institute of Discovery Sciences back in the '90s, uh, along with Jacques Vallée and John Alexander and He's part of a small cadre of very progressive, open-minded physicists that are very interested in the paranormal and UFOs and that sort of thing. Hal put off did not put us off <laughs> <laughs> and turn off our sights. Yeah, that that would be off-putting. I, I wasn't suggesting that Hal put off was behind. Hal, Hal's actually a, quite a, a neat guy. Actually, can we get him on the show? That'd be good. That'd be good. He'd be a great guest. Um, I don't think I've ever heard him do a show, so that would be a real coup for us. I'm making note of that. Well, you know, the guest we're going to have on in a few moments, I don't think, has been on many shows of this type. Okay. So yeah, this it's is another anonymous uh, guest we have. Uh, this, is getting, uh, this is getting to be a regular occurrence around here. Well, our last anonymous guest was someone who had worked at the Skinwalker Ranch in security and revealed some kind of possible NSA connection. Yeah, let's uh, hope it wasn't the no, no, no such agency as opposed to maybe the Nevada Security Association or something. Oh, I just wonder, maybe running shows like that caused someone to be unduly interested in the Powercast. You know, it's very interesting here. Years ago, my friends and I used to have this kind of speculation. It started with actually Jim Mosley, where at Saucer News, where I actually worked in the 1960s as a full-time employee. That was my first full-time job, ladies and gentlemen. And Jim and I would laugh about which of our subscribers was really the CIA guy or gal, okay? Mm -hmm. We'd always speculate that someone from the government subscribed. I had a magazine that I published with my first wife, Geneva, called Caveat mTOR. Of course, that means let the buyer beware. And we wondered who was the CIA guy. Who was the government agent, the disinformation agent? So today, of course, we have the Paracast community forums. We have the Paracast newsletter that goes out every week. And we wonder again, is someone lurking in our forums who works for the government, they're curious about crazy people like us, and they wonder what we're about? I'm really quite normal and sane for a crazy person, though. I, I kind of beg to differ with you. You're, you're nuts. You're certifiable. And you're a dinosaur. Well, me? I resemble both remarks. <laughs> but don't you agree with me here there's a distinct possibility? Well, I would be actually, uh, I'd be a little insulted if uh, we didn't have one of those type of lurkers uh, lurking about. That, that would mean that we're not doing our job. Right. We have to attract the lurkers. And we do have lurkers, like in the last few weeks we've had what they call uh, trolls. <laughs> Yeah, the under-the-bridge crowd. These are people who come in there and they try to stir trouble in forums. You see them all the time. They come up there, they're anonymous, and because they are anonymous, they can say or do anything they want, and nobody is going to have a way to stop them. There's no accountability except for one thing. On a forum, in our forums, we have the ability to ban a member. And what that means is if they behave badly... If they're there to troll, to mess us up, what we do is we ban them. We prevent them from participating in the things that we do. 
So they'll either come back or they'll go elsewhere. But we can also ban by the IP number, mm. which is that unique number that is created or used when you connect to the Internet. We see that number. We're not the CIA, but we see that number, and we can ban that number. There you go. Anyway, let's talk about our guest today, who is another one of those anonymous persons. And he's the kind of person who is more of the skeptical bent. And let me tell you the story here. When we had Mike Barra on the PowerCast several weeks ago talking about Mars mysteries, lunar mysteries, with Richard Hoagland, we discovered a gentleman who joined our forums, and he uses the name Expat. But he's someone who has pretty substantial credentials. He's worked for the BBC. He's certainly has been a science producer. He has interviewed the experts from NASA and the astronauts. And he chooses, he'll explain why, he chooses to use the name expat. Why he chooses to use the name expat. And why I suppose he doesn't want to be subject to harassment by certain people who are basically proponents of these lunar and Martian mysteries. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to contact us, you could do it by Twitter. We are known as The PowerCast. Once again, we are The PowerCast on Twitter. Send us a tweet. We'd love to hear from you. With Gene and Chris, Expat joins us. You're in The PowerCast. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number 1, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code SCENE1 to save 10%. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. On the Paracast this week with Gene and Chris, we have a gentleman named Expat, and he is someone who has certainly had a connection with covering the space program. But for various reasons that he'll explain to you, ladies and gentlemen, he has decided he'd rather not mention his real name, though I kind of suspect if people look hard enough, they'll figure it out. Mr. X, Pat, should I call you X or Pat? Oh, oh very funny. <laughs> Just uh, stick with X, Pat, please. Uh, greetings. Uh, greetings to you, Christopher. This is going to be interesting. Okay, Mr. X, Pat. Within the limits of what you can tell us about yourself and your background, how did you become knowledgeable about our space program? I was uh, working as a producer for BBC Television in um, London, England. I had a a 15-year career with them, working for what they called the uh, Science and Features Department, which was a department that did did, um, well for a example, the English equivalent of the PBS Nova series. Over there, it's called Horizon. In fact, uh, Nova was very directly copied from the Horizon format. Isn't uh, it strange, though, Mr. Expat, how we do that in America so much, that we copy British TV? Yeah, no, sometimes not very successfully. <laughs> well, yes, like Life on Mars was a very unsuccessful copying venture. That's just to be parenthetical about it. Okay, 
uh, I began to specialize in spaceflight. I made uh, a, a, a documentary for the uh, Nova Horizon series about uh, life in zero G, and I then I became seconded to the the uh, live coverage of uh, the uh, later Apollo space flights. Subsequent to that, I made four major documentaries about space flight. Not only the American programs, but the uh, Soviet programs too. I traveled to Moscow twice to create um, program content about the Soviet programs. Went to Zvezny Gorodok, where they trained the cosmonauts. And that's how I became an expert. All right then. Now, what attracted you with that background to the writings? and the things that people like a Mike Barra and a Richard Hoagland say about possible lunar mysteries. Why, if you don't even agree with what they have to say, even pay attention? Um, I came across Richard Hoagland, um, although actually, you know, we must have been in the same room together at some point because we were, we were both covering space in, in, the same, in the same period, in the 70s. Okay, so it's also true that Richard Hoagland had a real career, as someone who covered the space program at one time, right? Yes, he, he was indeed um, a consultant to CBS News for the uh, Apollo uh, program. And so that it is rather ironic that he and I were close analogs. He, he for CBS News, me for BBC Television. The difference is that I was actually a producer, whereas he was only um, a junior um, consultant. What, 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 pray tell, is a junior consultant? Oh, uh, he was only 24 at the time of Apollo 11. Huh? In fact, it's pretty amazing that he ever got that gig. And, um, and uh, he, he was one of four people credited as consultant to the program. Um, and I've heard him described as a fact checker. That may be a little bit uh, harsh. He certainly did have some knowledge of space. He, he had been a lecturer at the Gengarus, um Science Center in, in Maryland. So that's presumably how he got the gig. But I didn't really come across him until very much later, until long after my career had finished um, hearing him on uh, the famous overnight radio show, Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. And I just, my mind absolutely boggled that somebody who, who was giving out such wrong information could have, uh, could be given a spot on an important radio show like that. I couldn't believe it. Now, it's interesting here. When do you think Richard Hoagland, if we're going to take this straight, fell off the rails? <laughs> um, now he's going to come after me. Chris, I'm insulating you, my friend. He's not going to come after you, Chris. He's going to come after me. I'm a target for I'm everyone. sure everyway. he's going to have plenty of opportunity by the end of this show. Oh, we're going to give him all lots of opportunities to come <laughs> after us, but uh, that's how it goes. Well, I think it was the face on Mars, the so-called face on Mars, which was a uh, shot taken um, by the Viking One orbiter in 1976, just prior to the, uh, to the actual landing of Viking One, which, as you, everybody knows, I think, is a mesa in a place called Cydonia, which looked a little bit like a face... But you have to remember that the resolution of that original picture 
was like 700 meters per pixel. Since then, we've had, oh, four, five, six spacecraft taking better and better and better resolution pictures until now we're down to about 1.5 meters per pixel. Okay, that's, so we're talking about something here that's very, very blurry in the scheme of things. Yeah, the, the original Face on Mars picture was, was just a, a, an entertainment. It, it doesn't look anything like that, really. But uh, I think Richard Hoagland somehow thought that this was uh, something that he should promote, and it was good for his career, and um, indeed he ended up writing a book about it. The operative uh, words there are good for his career. Uh, I think that's really important for people to understand that there are a number of individuals in the field, or loosely uh, associated with the field of ufology, let's say, and uh, kind of alternative uh, space uh, the subject of alternative space facts that um, really do uh, need to come up every six months with some new twist on their um, their particular reality view so that they can constantly pump that career and always be uh, highly visible and generating cash. He's been a bit silent lately. He has not contributed to his Facebook page since May. Although I believe he did take part in the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles this past weekend. Well, I haven't followed his site, so I'm not really sure. Oh, he hasn't updated his um, his, his Enterprise Mission website since um, May. Okay. And prior to that, he he didn't update it for at, at least nine months. He's been... He's been very unforthcoming on in that regard. So you keep yeah. close tabs on what he does. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I I do write a blog. I'm semi-retired, so I have plenty of time to mess around with uh, with the internet. I write a blog called The Emoluments of Mars, and I started it because Mike Barra stopped accepting comments from me and James Oberg on the original. Um, Dark Mission blog. This was a blog which was supposed to be an open discussion about the book Dark Mission. It started back in uh, 2007. And uh, it turned out that they weren't interested in critical comments at all. They just wanted praise. We have Expat joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. 
2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Are you storing food? Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. Stretch your fuel storage by harnessing the power of the sun with a sun oven. Food can be baked, boiled, or steamed at temperatures of 360 to 400 degrees with the power of the sun. You can use the sun for 50 to 80% of your cooking, allowing you to preserve your fuel storage for rainy days. Sun-baked foods stay moister and have less shrinkage and do not burn. Sun-baked roasts are tastier and more succulent, and sun-baked bread has unparalleled taste and texture. Water can be heated in a sun oven for purification or personal hygiene. For the past 26 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S. They're durable, have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com forward slash radio. That's sunoven.com forward slash radio. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we have Expat. He was once a BBC producer. He's covered and is knowledgeable about the space program. Early on, he encountered a young consultant by the name of Richard Hoagland, who later, of course, gained fame for promoting the face on Mars or the alleged face on Mars. And also he and James Oberg were busy correcting what they perceived as errors from Mike Barra. Now, I just want to ask you parenthetically, you, Mr. Expat, are anonymous. We're not revealing your name. But don't you think that they already know who you are? 
Uh, no, I don't think they do. No. Okay. Fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way famous. Uh, I have written books, but not about uh, space subjects. And, uh, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have come across my books at all. Okay, okay. Fair enough. You know, just trying to see, to understand. Okay, so they blocked you, or at least Mike Barra blocked you from posting critical comments on their website. On the, on the original Dark Mission blog, yes. Now, in blocking it, they just block all comments, or are you particularly excluded? No, it was for both me and James Oberg. You know, I'm sure you know who James Oberg is, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the great experts on space, probably the most knowledgeable American on the Soviet space program, author of, um, I think, six books about yep. um, the history of space flight, uh, very, a, a very knowledgeable man indeed. Very much so. Uh, I've been dealing with uh, Jim for many years on a small little private uh, bulletin board that he somehow found out about. And I'll tell you, the guy is kind of freaky. Uh, if anything is mentioned on that little board, which is shared by maybe 20 people, within an hour, he has posted some sort of rebuttal or response. It's, uh, it's actually kind of spooky. <laughs> well, I think uh, James is a, is a bit like me. He's I think also semi-retired, so has quite a bit of time to um, to play these games. He does contribute quite often to the um, uh, what's it called above top secret blog. He's quite and quite he's the spokesperson like for quite the spoke. Sorry, he's very critical indeed of the material in Dark Mission because um, so much of it is simply not true. Okay, well, looking at the errors that you feel that Mike Barr has made, you heard his appearance on the Paracast, I presume? Yep, I did, yes. Okay, so let's just start at the top. At what point did he start moving in areas that you felt were very misleading? On, on your Paracast you're talking about? Our show, I assume that's typical of what he says everywhere. Now, the one thing that bothered me before we even go into that is where he's trying to say that it is only liberals who oppose the space program. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, I remember that. And uh, he said that um, President Kennedy was not a liberal. (laughs) He did... He, he, I think he doesn't know that uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson was the greatest uh, friend that the space program ever had. The... um, the territory that is now the uh, space, uh, space Command Center in Houston was donated it's, by Lyndon Johnson's buddies. It's not called the Johnson Space Center for nothing. For nothing, exactly. Um, and then you moved on to the, the so-called ziggurat on the moon. I don't particularly want to go into that in detail, but um, I, I did make a note that uh, Mike Barra said, the, the, the claim that it's a ziggurat is not disputed by anyone who has a brain. Uh, well, as you know, it's very much disputed by Stuart Robbins. Stuart Robbins is a PhD, a working um, uh, qualified astronomer. Uh, well, I worry when someone says that someone who disputes something may not have a brain. I mean, I thought that was downright insulting. And I think I called him on that. I said, that's going too far. You know, it's one thing to disagree with somebody, and maybe you think that somebody's contentions 
or arguments might seem stupid to you, but you know, that's pushing the envelope. Well, Mike, Mike Barra's uh, customary response to criticism is to call people douchebags. He's called me a douchebag and a homosexual. To him, that's an insult, I guess. I don't know why. Um, and he's called me um, even worse things. Well, okay, let's take a look further at the errors. Now, back to the face on Mars for a moment. Your contention, I take it, is that this is just a random thing that looked like a face because of the lack of resolution of those photos. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's, it seems to me very obvious that if it were uh, a, 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 an intelligently constructed a device that as we got better and better and better photographs of it as the years rolled on, then we would uh, see more and more that that was true. In fact, the, the converse is the case. We have seen more and more that it's not true. All of the, the so-called details of the eyes and the lips, and uh, even at one point they were talking about a tear duct in the eye, all of that, now that we have really good uh, photographs, has disappeared. It's just, it, is, it's, it is simply cannot be a, a, an intelligently constructed artifact. Isn't that in a loose sense like the Martian canals? We believe there were canals on Mars or some felt, but as soon as we learned and had better or more accurate photographs of Mars, we realized it wasn't so? It, it, yeah, Gene, yes, it fits right into that uh, history of, of Mars observation, absolutely. People seem to want to fantasize about Mars as a place where there was once a civilization or perhaps could be again because it's romantic, but it's not scientific and, and none of it's true. Well, that's what Edgar Rice Burroughs used when he created his John Carter of Mars novels, the stories about possible canals on Mars. So he said, okay, let's talk about this dying race of Martians on the dead seas of Barsoom. Yes, yes. Well, But I would think, though, if Mars ever had intelligent life at all, it would have been millions of years ago. Well, yes, that's demonstrably so. And um, it, it, it couldn't possibly have been intelligent life that's anything like human human life, because the the, the conditions just have never been uh, like that. There has never never been an atmosphere that we could breathe, and uh, the, the the gravity is different, and the temperature is different. It's it simply isn't habitable from the point of view of, of anything like a human. Um, I wonder, could we move on to the story of the satellite Explorer One, because that that was also mentioned fairly early on in your paracast with Mike. Yes, well, why not? Sure, go ahead. <clears throat> this is an interesting story. I like, I like to tell this story. I've, I've blogged about it uh, several times. Here's the deal. Explorer 1 was uh, America's first satellite. It, was, uh, it went up in um, January of 1958. It was the belated answer to the success of Sputnik 1, which went up the previous October. And it was very much of a triumph for Von Braun and his army team because they had initially been told that they were not the ones that were going to put an American satellite into orbit. The Navy was going to do that. Unfortunately, the Navy's rocket blew up very spectacularly. And um, reluctantly, the government said to Von Braun, well, all right, you can do it. Well, now, 
the fact is that the satellite was very successful, but it did go into a somewhat higher orbit than they expected. They, they had planned an orbit of 220 by 1,000 miles. And actually it went into 223 by 1,592 miles. They were probably using Microsoft software, that's all. <laughs> we know how so, they did that. We're talking to Expat, and he's here to talk about a reality check for those who believe in lunar and Martian mysteries and lots more about the space program. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to contact us, you could do it by Twitter. We are known as the Paracast. Once again, we are the Paracast on Twitter. Send us a tweet. We'd love to hear from you. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo Tote Bag... All sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material, like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood, and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com. Earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, all sorts of natural disasters happen. Some of you are ready, some are not. MySurvivalGoods.com gets you ready. Think basics. Do you have a home first aid kit, a car emergency kit, a basic urban survival kit? MySurvivalGoods.com has kits. Then the big stuff, ready for system interruptions caused by natural or man-made disasters, terrorism, government collapse, social chaos. Are you ready to bug out? Could you survive off the grid for a minimum of three days like FEMA says? Don't count on FEMA. Count on high-quality kits from MySurvivalGoods.com. Check 
out our large selection of emergency kits for cars, homes, schools, and office, and bug out bags, first aid and flu kits, emergency water and food. Even build your very own custom emergency kit. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Go to MySurvivalGoods.com now. That's MySurvivalGoods.com. Don't delay. Prepare today. Are you storing food? Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. Stretch your fuel storage by harnessing the power of the sun with a sun oven. Food can be baked, boiled, or steamed at temperatures of 360 to 400 degrees with the power of the sun. You can use the sun for 50 to 80% of your cooking, allowing you to preserve your fuel storage for rainy days. Sun-baked foods stay moister and have less shrinkage and do not burn. Sun-baked roasts are tastier and more succulent, and sun-baked bread has unparalleled taste and texture. Water can be heated in a sun oven for purification or personal hygiene. For the past 26 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S. They're durable, have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com forward slash radio. That's sunoven.com forward slash radio. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, expat joining us, former BBC producer covering the space program. And we're not just talking about the lunar and Martian mysteries, but quite a bit about the history of the space program. I'm just kind of wondering as we progress, maybe later on we'll deal with the fact that we sort of gave up so early on the space program after the Apollo landings ended. But please go on, Mr. Expat. Yeah, no, this, this has become a tremendously important thing for Richard Hoagland and Mike Barra. Hoagland did four complete hours on this on, on Coast to Coast AM and wrote a very long piece on his uh, website, called, which he called Von Brown's Secret, Mike Barrow wrote an entire chapter in his book, The Choice, and all of it that they are talking about is totally, absolutely wrong. It's based upon a complete ignorance of orbital mechanics. Let's also uh, talk uh, about what their contention is first, so our listeners yes, understand uh, uh, what uh, their uh, argument is and why you feel it's flawed. Yeah, all right. But Mike Barrow looks at that figure. He looks at the, ap- the apogee, that's the, that's the highest part of the orbit uh, measured from the surface of the Earth, 1,592 miles as opposed to the planned 1,000 miles, he says, oh, look, that's 60% too much. Now, you can't possibly explain that by any normal variation, for example, variation in solid rocket fuel. There must have been something extra. And because this was a four-stage rocket and the upper stages were spinning at about uh, roughly 500 RPM, he says that they must have gained a, an anti-gravity assist because they were spinning. And that's the only way that you can explain this 60% additional apogee. So basically, he finds an irregularity and therefore it's got to be ET. That's right. Now, the problem is that that is not how you measure the orbit of a satellite. You measure the orbit in terms of its complete width. In other words, you measure from the center of the orbit, not from the 
from the uh, surface of the Earth. Expat, isn't that pretty much high school science? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's because it sounds right. like something I remember from school. So why would someone like Mike Barra present something that is the reverse of the facts? Well, well, Gene, he said it on your show. He said Explorer 1 was 600 miles higher than it should have been, and therefore something funny was going on. Now, if you actually measure from the center of the orbit instead of from the surface of the Earth... What do you find? You find that the, uh, the semi-major axis was 4,868 miles instead of 4,571 miles. And the excess is not 60%, but guess what? 6.5%. Now, you can also uh, use a, 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 a formula to discover what the, uh, the velocity of the of the insertion point was, and if you do that, it turns out that the excess is just four point five percent. Okay, now let's understand here. A lot of our listeners are going to feel their eyes are glazing over as we continue with the science. So let's get to the main point of this. The point is that Richard Hoagland and Mike Barra are completely wrong. There is no need whatsoever to to suppose some kind of anti-gravity effect from the fact that the upper stages were spinning. Now, let me also go through this, which is I'm not going to do any mathematics, don't worry. This was, as I say, a um, a four-stage rocket. In order to get something into orbit, you have to achieve two quite different things. First of all, you need to get it up high above the atmosphere say, 100 miles, roughly. You you can get away with a bit less than that, but 100 miles is a nice round figure. Having done that, you also need to give it horizontal velocity of about 4.5 miles per second, okay? Now, what happened with the the rocket that launched Explorer 1, it was called the Juno rocket. Its first stage was a liquid-fueled rocket, which was basically a stretched version of the Redstone rocket. That took care of all of the effort of getting it up to 100 miles high. Okay? So the gravity problem was already overcome by the time they lit the second stage. In fact, if you look at the uh, flight profile, by the time they lit that second stage, the rocket was traveling horizontally, not vertically. So therefore, a gravity assist is completely irrelevant. Now, I want to emphasize something. This is not just my opinion. I'm sure if you you played this back to Mike Barra, he'd say, oh, well, that's just expat's opinion. It's not true. It is not my opinion. This is mathematical fact. This is the kind of stuff that you'd see in a science book. Well, there's online, there is um, a technical report on the Juno rocket, which I've... um, I've linked to from my blog. It gives the um, the flight profile, which shows very clearly that the rocket was traveling horizontally when the second stage lit off. And it also confirms that a 5% variation in the performance of the solid rocket fuel of those days was perfectly normal. In fact, that is the very reason why 
they spun the upper stages because the upper stages were clusters of what they called baby sergeant rockets, clusters of 11, 3, and 1, respectively. And they spun them because they knew that there would be some um, variation in the thrust of those rockets, which were arranged in a ring. So therefore, it's, the, the, the 4.5% velocity increase is perfectly well explained by conventional means. And this is not just my opinion. All right. When confronted with this, what does he say? He says that uh, I'm um, a, a douchebag. Well, that surely doesn't help. Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting term. I, I've never quite figured out how it uh, it evolved, but... Uh, I don't want to digress. Uh, it's it's just it's weird to me. It's a very old-fashioned insult, isn't it? I doubt. That my yeah, it's like a, like an early seventies thing. I, I used to say that to people in high school, and I really wasn't even sure what it meant in terms of a derogatory term. But uh, but again, I digress. Uh, continue. Well, he's called me a psychopath too. <laughs> okay, so instead of arguing the facts, you're a douchebag, you're a psychopath. Yeah, Maybe he utters words that we can't even mention on radio. Yes, and um, he does have a tendency to uh, insinuate that his critics are homosexual. And I don't really know why he thinks that's an insult, but apparently he does. I won't even get into that. I think that's taking it really, really too far. Okay, so basically he has no response. No, no, there's no response. Okay. Um, at one point, Richard Hoagland conceded that, that his mathematics on his um, website, enterprisemission.com, was incorrect. Now, he, he went about it in a slightly different way. He attempted to figure out, using a rocket equation, what what the the um, the, the extra velocity uh, was imparted to the satellite by the three upper stages, and he got that completely wrong. Uh, I mean, his mathematics would have made a high school student blush. He completely failed to evaluate a logarithm in the equation. And at one point, about a year ago, on his Facebook page. He did concede that that mathematics needs revision. Now, the question I would have is, how does he come up with this mathematics? Is it because he's not fully conversant with the techniques involved, or is he just making it up? Well, you have to realize that neither Hoagland nor Berra is actually trained in um, physics or astronomy well, what happened? or any of the subjects that they write this is just the beginning, folks. It's a lot more to talk about as we go through all the claims and what expat considers to be the scientific answers. We have to look at the motivations, too. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, in addition to contacting us on Twitter, at the Paracast, we also have the famous, world-famous, I think, Paracast Community Forums. The Paracast Community Forums you could reach at forum.theparacast.com. Once again, forum.theparacast.com. Expat. Joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. They're disturbing health facts in the United States. We are now 60th in life expectancy, 41st in infant mortality. Autism is up from 1 in 10,000 to now 1 in 88. Over 100 million Americans are either diabetic or pre-diabetic. We're the most obese nation in the world. Arthritis and Alzheimer's disease are skyrocketing. Pediatric cancer is up over 10,000%. There is a better way. Don't miss my 90 for Life free lecture Monday, October 15th at Falcon Ridge Middle School at Apple Valley, Minnesota. Or call 877-279-9422. 877-279-9422. With over 30,000 autopsies and billions of research dollars, it answers to the health issues ailing Americans. My 90 for Life lecture is free and could save your life. Monday, October October 15th, Falcon Ridge Middle School in Apple Valley, Minnesota, or call 877-279-9422. Again, that's 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. As we continue with Gene and Chris on the PowerCast, we have expat, former BBC producer, covering the space program, where he, at one point, I guess was sort of a colleague of the young Richard Hoagland. Did your paths cross in the way that you actually talked to each other in those days? No, we never did speak, but we must have been in the same room. In particular, I'm thinking for the coverage of the Viking landings on Mars in, in July 1976. I was there the whole time, and I know, I know he was there, so we must have been in the same room, but we, we didn't actually meet. Well, okay. What do you think would happen if he found out who you really are? Well, I don't think that he would take legal action against me because I think that any attorney that he consulted about the possibility would tell him he he wouldn't stand a chance. And also, I, I well, I, I just don't think he really would, but I'm, I'm concerned because he has threatened it. Well, obviously, even if you're sued, would we consider you a public figure or no? I'm not a public figure, but he is. Okay. So basically what that means is that you would have a problem suing him, but he'd have no problem suing you. Oh, I, I have no intention of suing him whatsoever. That's, that, that's never entered my mind. That's okay. We understand that. Of course, people might want to sue me in 
Chris, but we are famous public personalities, so therefore <laughs> there is no earthly reason why anyone would choose to sue us. Hey, speak for yourself, man. I'm, I'm everybody's friend. Yeah, right. I, Gene, I once had um, occasion to be in dispute with um, WGBH, the, who, who produced the Nova series, and uh, I can actually got to the point of consulting a Hollywood attorney, and he's listened to my story very patiently, and he said, well, expat, he said, uh, you're going to win. It's going to take about three years, and at the end of that time, you're probably going to look at me and you'll say, was it really worth it? So you'd spend a ton of money, you'd win, but you <laughs> really? would win, as they say. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think people get justice from the so-called justice system very often, actually. Uh, no. Waste of time and money, and all it does is feed that lawyer beast. Well, it's like all the class action lawsuits against defective products. We understand if there's a defective medication because people die. But, you know, if like Siri on your iPhone doesn't work as well as you should, what is Apple going to do? Well, if Apple loses a lawsuit, they'll give you a $20 or a $10 coupon, a discount coupon. And the lawyers will make millions of dollars. Where's the right. fairness yeah. in that? Well, let's get off this topic because it's not going to happen, but that, that is the reason why I'm concerned about my identity. Okay, let's continue. Chris, you have any more questions before I proceed with well, mine? Well, I do. And, and before we, um, we veer off Mars and go to the moon, uh, I do have some interesting questions about both subjects from our, our, our forum posters. But, you know, I've, uh, I've talked with, uh, at length with Dr. John Brandenburg. And about a year, year and a half ago, he came up with a pretty interesting theory uh, concerning Mars. And that has to do with some sort of uh, nuclear event that he says we have all sorts of evidence to support that there was quite a large nuclear <clears throat> event. He doesn't quite go far out uh, to say that it was some, some, somehow induced. He said that there is a possibility, obviously, that it could have been some sort of natural event. But are you familiar with the work of, uh, of Dr. Brandenburg? And, and uh, you know, he was the one that first proposed the idea of a whole ocean on the northern hemisphere of the planet and uh and then this revelation a year and a half ago about a thin layer of uranium thorium i think in in radioactive potassium that covers the planet what's your take on that it's very interesting he he told me privately that uh he suspects it may have been an airburst event of course he hasn't he hasn't publicly gone out and said that but uh that's kind of his thinking uh what do you think about his his theories well, Chris, I don't know about this at all. I must say this is complete news to me. Um, I, I, I would very much doubt that uh, there's any evidence for any kind of deliberate uh, nuclear explosion on Mars. I do know that it's possible for such a thing as a natural nuclear reactor to happen in, if there's a sufficient concentration of uranium ore it can spontaneously start a chain reaction. In fact, I believe there was a case in Africa where that actually has been documented. But really, exactly. in terms of Mars, I, I, I really don't know. It's not my topic at all. Yeah, he's, he's come up with some pretty interesting uh, information based on NASA's own science, basically. And he's interpreted it, he says, about 180 million years ago, a planet-shattering uh, nuclear reaction may have wiped out everything on Mars and... Turned the planet into dry sand, basically. He said it, uh, there's a highly concentrated area 
in the Mare Acidulium region, I think. Uh, I'm just reading off an article here. And uh, it filled the atmosphere with radioisotopes. And this data is, is being seen in recent gamma ray uh, spectrometry uh, taken, uh, you know, the data uh, gathered by NASA. That's pretty interesting uh, theory there. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was just curious if you were aware of, of that and, and, and the work of jo- Dr. John Brandenburg. Uh, he has a very interesting book uh, about Mars that I, I highly recommend. Okay, well, I'm sorry, I, I don't know about it at all. I'm not, I'm not being evasive. I, I'm just not familiar with that story. Okay, yeah, he's um, by the way, just for your own information, he's a, um, I think he's a propulsion scientist for orbital technologies up in Wisconsin, and uh, he's, he's a pretty bright guy, and he's written a couple of books about uh, Mars, and and I do recommend uh, to our listeners and to you uh, to to check into his work. Uh, it's pretty out of the box. He's not constrained by the scientific community that uh, is fully entrenched in this type of work. He's an outsider that's looking at it and uh, and doing his own analytical work. But uh, it's pretty pretty grounded in <laughs> NASA's own data. So um, just for your listeners out there, I digress, of course. I always do. Let's move on. Um, I do have some questions here. Uh, a couple of interesting ones. Uh, this comes from one of our tried and true posters who's been posting for uh, a couple of years, uh, Sand and Fire. And he says, respectfully, my questions, is the moon made out of cheese? And if so, what kind? Is there really a man on the moon? And if so, do you think Mike Barra has met him? And would that make you jealous? <laughs> we, have, we have some comedians on our... <laughs> but seriously, now, he also goes on and asks a third question. He said... With so much technology available to the average amateur astronomer, including very impressive astro-imaging hardware and software, for now the price has come down, it's modest priced, why do people like Barra continuously make claims about areas, objects, and locations on the moon that can be readily observed for several nights each month by literally hundreds if not thousands of observers? Such observations would clearly prove many of Barra's claims. This fact alone would be enough to encourage Barry to give up the ghost, since literally amateur astronomers around the world can disprove their claims by just looking up. In your professional opinion, why do you think Barry continues to make these claims? Well, that's a very good point that your um, that your, your your poster has there. It doesn't apply to all of the claims that are made by Hogan and Barra. I think that they would probably say that uh, you wouldn't expect an amateur astronomer to be able to see what they call their glass domes. This has always amused me because they claim that there are glass domes across vast areas of the moon. And when asked, well, why are they not visible from Earth, from from Earth-based telescopes, they say, well, of course they're not visible because they're made of glass. So they're transparent, of course, you dummy, you douchebag. Um, well, wouldn't you be able to see light refracting through something like that? I mean, it, I, I, I the elementary likely, uh, optics there. Very likely you would, and indeed uh, you would probably be able to see the supports because there obviously has to be a supporting structure. There also has to be uh, some kind of a factory to create these huge glass domes. There has to be a solar power plant to enable uh, whatever alien race to have energy 
to in order to do their manufacturing, and all of that would certainly be visible, but it's not there. You know what's not going to be there? This show, if we don't give our sponsors a break. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SCENE1, S-E-E-N number 1, SCENE1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code SCENE1 to save 10%. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. My name is Gary Johnson. I approve this message. Of the many people running for president in 2012, only three will be on the ballot in all 50 states come November. For those of you worried, I'll take votes away from the Democrat. And to those of you afraid, I'll take votes away from the Republican. I say good. They deserve to lose your vote. Take as many votes as possible away from the people in both parties, keeping us in a state of perpetual war, increasing unsustainable debt, record joblessness, and a bipartisan economic death wish 
ruining America for 330 million of us. Be libertarian with me for one election. If after four years you decide honest, effective government doesn't work for you, you can always vote failure back into office again. Live free. Paid for by GaryJohnson2012.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris on the Paracast, we have expat, and he is here to provide what he regards as a reality check for Martian and Lunar Mysteries specifically those propounded by people like Mike Barra and Richard Hoagland. And we know, we just know, that we're going to get ourselves in trouble over this show, but that's why we're here. We're always getting ourselves in trouble. Mr. Expat, did you have any further comments to make before Chris gets on with more questions from our listeners? Yes, I just want to add that um, that, that Mike Barra's recent book, Ancient Aliens on the Moon, there's a, there's a, I plugged it for you, Mike. Uh, chapter nine is all about uh, the art- what he says are the artifacts in one specific image from Apollo eleven, and that's that is really the entire content of chapter nine. That's the the one that he starts off with that uh, famous ziggurat, and, but he also says that he sees a gun emplacement, a drill, a beach house. A, uh, a, a spaceship, which is curiously enough aerodynamic. I'd, I'd love to know why he thinks that there would be a need for an aerodynamic spaceship on the moon, which has no air. Well, well, come on. That, that, we're talking about Dick Cheney's vacation home here, so you know, <laughs> we have to cut some slack here. Well, I think some of those things, if they existed, would be visible from uh, from good amateur telescopes because they're quite big. The ziggurat itself, for example, is supposed to be one mile square. Now, that's quite big enough to be observable by a decent telescope from Earth. And so you have to ask, Mike, why is it not there? How about some things that have been seen? Um, I have a question from ExoDoc to Expat. I guess we've got a lot of Mr. X's here today. It is the War of the X's featured it's on the, the Paracast, the ladies right. and gentlemen. Well, during Apollo 16... Uh, Ken Mattingly observed flashes on the dark side of the moon on two consecutive orbits. Do you have any further information about this and or do you have any thoughts on this? And he also mentions in a second question, uh, in 1959, an astronomer named John O'Neill observed what he felt was a large bridge over, you know, some of these Latin words, Mar Chrysium? Mare Chrysium, yes. Mare Chrysium. You can call it the Sea of Crises, if you like. The Sea of Crises, okay, yeah. Well, he's John O'Neill, an astronomer, observed what he called a large bridge there. And British astronomer Dr. H. Wilkins confirmed a bridge-like structure a month later. What other bridge reports are you aware of, and what do you think of those? Okay, let's deal with the Apollo 16 question first. I'm... I looked into this. I looked at the um, Apollo 16 mission transcript. I don't know if you know, but all of the mission transcripts are available as PDF files online, which is very useful indeed. Now, of course, these people might assert that those transcripts are manipulated. Well, uh, all I can say is that here's, here's what is available 
in the public transcript about the flash. This was at Mission elapsed time, one, two, three, one, two, one hundred and twenty-three hours, seven minutes. Mattingly says, I was looking at the horizon and there was a bright flash. It was below the horizon. Maybe I saw one of these bright flashes that everyone else has been seeing all day. Now, I, 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 I can interpret that. All astronauts see flashes in their eyes due to the, the uh, interaction between cosmic rays and the retina. This has been a well-known fact ever since the very first space flights. And apparently during Apollo 16, uh, his, uh, that would, been, would have been um, John Young and Charlie Duke were seeing the, these flashes. But apparently Ken Mattingly didn't until that time. So he says the flash was below the horizon, so maybe it was something strange down there. But on the other hand, probably I was just seeing a cosmic ray flash in my, in my uh, eyes. So that would be my explanation, that it was, it was uh, a cosmic ray flash, just like all astronauts see. It just happened to be below the horizon, so it was a little enigmatic. You know, one of the problems in another field we cover, the UFO field, is we feel, Chris and I, that there are things going on that are not explained, but a lot of those lights in the sky are just lights in the sky. You know, they're natural explanations for them, stars, whatever. Let's move on to the second part of ExoDoc, um, the, uh, the bridge over Mare Crisium, the, the Sea of Crises. Actually, John O'Neill was not an astronomer. He was a, a, a science journalist, but it doesn't matter. Um, Mare Crisium is 500 kilometers across. I don't really think it's credible that there would be a bridge that, that wide, and certainly there is no such bridge right now. We now have... Um, Extremely good uh, photographic coverage of the entire moon surface from the spacecraft called the Lunar Reconnaissance Observer. And uh, you can look at Mare Crisium in a kind of detail of uh, oh, about, about five kilometers per, so, excuse me, five meters per pixel. And if there was a bridge, you would certainly see it on those pictures. So now, it's not a bridge too far. Not a bridge too far. Oh, I'm sorry. Other, he asks, what other bridge reports am I aware of? That, that's pretty interesting. There are several small bridges on the moon. They are partially collapsed lava tubes. Generally speaking, a lava tube is very familiar to people who live on Hawaii. It's where, it's where lava flowed underground and made a little, a little tube for itself. But then when the flow stops, the tube is evacuated and the roof sometimes collapses. There's one in particular that was uh, discovered fairly recently, back in September 2010. It's, uh, it's um, over on the far side of the moon near a, a crater called King. And that, that is very easily visible on, on the... Uh, lunar Reconnaissance Observer site that I, I mentioned. Very interesting. People, scientists like these things because they are, they are possible habitations if, um, if you wanted to actually build a, a permanent uh, base on the moon. But of course, these are not things that were just... ever put there 
you feel by intelligent races from elsewhere? Well, no, I don't think so. The, 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 these, the, these natural bridges are quite easily explained. Well, that, that leads me to a, a, a question from Gogsmacky, who's uh, one of our most active uh, posters at forum.theparacast.com. And his first question is very simple. Do you think there are any unusual surface features on Mars or the moon, for that matter? And we have only 30 seconds for the answer before our next segment. You want to start? Okay, well, I'll be quick. Uh, yes, there are very interesting features on Mars. And again, we have um, wonderful, a wonderful um, library of images from the Mars Reconnaissance Observer. Just quite recently, they, they came up with a photograph of what they called spidery objects. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about the spidery objects and what they mean with expat. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pillen. I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. 
New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. So you don't want to carry a gun, but you do want to ensure your personal safety. Then empower yourself legally with self-defense products from StunGunMikes.com. Stun guns come in more shapes than just what you see on TV. Now you can get a powerful mini stun gun that fits in the palm of your hand, a stun baton, or a cell phone or lipstick stun gun. StunGunMikes.com also carries real spy gear like bug and metal detectors and discreet car and home security cameras that hide in almost any type of everyday object, from alarm clocks to pens. Now you can see how your babysitter really treats your children. Go to StunGunMikes.com, spelled just like it sounds. StunGunMikes.com Buy real spy gear from StunGunMikes.com just like the exact same spy gear sold to the government, military, corporate security, law enforcement, and private detectives. Empower yourself with self-defense products now from StunGunMikes.com Chris is getting into his trickster mode there as we explore the possibility of lunar and Martian mysteries and what might be the cause. And expat, our guest this week, has been mentioning some stuff there in response to questions from our listeners. You want to continue? Well, I have a couple of questions here from uh, uh, Gogsmacky and also from... Um, from other posters about Richard Hoagland. And one question comes from Ufology, who's up in Calgary, Alberta. And the question is, can you please explain the theory behind Richard Hoagland's Accutron Space Densiometer, or whatever that is, and why you think it's either legit or not? And then a follow-up question uh, deals with Hoagland's claim that he used military-type imaging software that is designed to look for artificiality in pictures. And he claims to have processed images from Cydonia that strongly show the face and other features that are very unnatural. What is your opinion of, of these types of claims and, and this uh, technology? A densiometer, that's... Yes, I, I know a lot about this. I've blogged about this several times. Um, he doesn't call it... He does not call it a densiometer. He calls it a torsion field detector. The, uh, the idea of a so-called torsion field is borrowed from some uh, Soviet scientists. Their names were Akimov and Shipov, who studied what they called a, a, a space torsion field back in the 1980s. And they were funded for a while by the Soviet Academy of Sciences, but they very quickly had their funds yanked because the uh, Academy determined that, that this was a complete fraud. And there was no such thing as a torsion field. Well, Richard Hoagland thinks that there is, and he says that he can measure it. And his point is uh, this, that when the torsion field sweeps through any physical object, it would change that object's mass because it, it, it actually changes the inertia of the object. And the way he measures that is with uh, his Accutron wristwatch made by Bulova, 
I would like to point out that the last time Bulova made an Accutron wristwatch was 1977. So therefore, Richard Hoagland's wristwatch is at least 35 years old, maybe as much as 40. So it's not really a precision instrument. But anyway, the um, Accutron mechanism works with a, a tiny tuning fork. So Richard Hoagland reasons that the mass of the tuning fork will change when a torsion wave passes through it. And he says that he can measure that. And he's produced several traces that he's done with what, he, what, what is called a microset precision watch timer. This is a device that, um, that times the, 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 the tuning fork, basically the frequency, and displays it on a computer screen. And he's done that with the annular eclipse this year on May 20th, and the Venus transit this year on June 5th. And he says that he's proved that a pyramid amplifies the torsion field. And he's, he's posted these traces on his um, Facebook page. Unfortunately, this is completely invalid science, not only because of the 35-year-old technology he's using, but because he's not posted any controls or any baselines. In other words, we don't know what the normal behavior of this um, tuning fork is. So how can we say that we understand that it's... <laughs> how can you derive any deviation from something unless you supply some sort of baseline data? It doesn't make sense to me. Again, we're back to high school science. Exactly. It, it, without baselines and controls, it's completely worthless. Also, uh, by the way, I, there's something else. He, he, he had asked his uh, Facebook um, fans to send him cash so that he could go to the Egyptian pyramid for the, um, for the annular eclipse of May the 20th. Oh, no, excuse me, for the, for the Venus transit May June 5th. Well, about $2,000 rolled in, but he said that wasn't enough. So he didn't go to Egypt and didn't refund the money. I would think a guy like that, though, could get more than $2,000 in donations. Speaking of someone who is on occasion asked for donations, and I'm not nearly as famous as he is, I think, based on the percentages, <laughs> this should have been a slam dunk. Well, it didn't work out for him. He didn't go to Egypt. Instead, he went to Sandia Peak, which is near his hometown in um, Albuquerque, or, or, or near Albuquerque. And he went to the terrace of a restaurant, which is halfway up Sandia Peak. And he said, oh, well, I think the Sandia Peak will stand in for a pyramid. And then he confidently declared that he had proved that by showing the trace during the Venus transit and said that uh, this shows that I'm right, that a pyramid does indeed amplify the torsion wave. Well, unfortunately, he, he let drop something else when he was on coast to coast, he, say, he said that the Accutron watch had, quote, gone nuts for 12 hours nonstop during the summer solstice. Okay, that was not when he was at Sandia Peak. That was in his own backyard. So therefore, I think it disproves his point. Wow. Well, I've been accused of... Uh accidentally calling Richard Hoaxland, I mean, Hoagland. Um, you see, 
listen question. to me, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't want to get into trouble. Chris no. is going to be a nice guy. And no. then he <laughs> says it the just word. Out, I think Gina, I'm sure, I'm, you know. I'm sorry. You didn't mean to say the H word. No, I didn't. The, the X word. Um, <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But how about this imaging technology that he claims that the military has imaging software that that can look for artificiality in, in pictures? And he claims that he has processed images from his technology that strongly show the face and other features that are very unnatural. Again, this is a question from Gogsmacky. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I don't know about that. I haven't I have not heard that claim. And I don't think it's anywhere on his uh, website. So... Um Sorry, I can't comment on that one. Well, since we're on the subject of, of imaging and claims of airbrushing and, and painting on negatives, um, here's a question from Trained Observer, again, one of our our real tried-and-true posters at forum.theparacast.com. And um, he asks about Ken Johnston and his story about seeing people airbrushing and painting on negatives, uh, obscuring evidence of artificiality, that sort of thing. I mean, what do you think of these claims? Uh, there have been several over the years. I think there was a woman uh, who was uh, worked for NASA and claimed that uh, th- there was a program uh, in place to uh, obfuscate uh, evidence of artificiality uh, on some of these images. What, what's your take on that? Um, I, I'm, now, I'm not suggesting that Ken Johnston has uh, falsified the information at all. It may well be that Richard Hoagland and Mike Barrow have misunderstood him. Um, but both Richard Hoagland and Mike Barrow have said that Ken Johnston reported that he wandered into um, into a classified area one day and, and found people, quote, airbrushing the original camera negatives from the Apollo missions, from the, from the Hasselblad cameras that the astronauts carried on the surface of the moon. There's a couple of big problems with that. One is that there were no camera negatives. The film that was loaded into those Hasselblad cameras was not negative film. It was ectochrome reversal. Could you explain to our listeners what that means? Those of us who are non-photographers, I am yes. familiar with what he's talking about. But Yeah, explain. well, the, you know, it used to be that, that everybody would understand if I said that the film was the kind that you used to make uh, slides. Okay, well, so slides, folks, you didn't need a negative. slides anymore. Right, because very simply, when you took a what, photograph what? that was a slide, it was a direct image. It didn't require an intermediary negative. Correct. It's, it's just like one frame of a movie. In other words, it's a positive image, but in order to display it, you need to shine the light through it rather than just look at it on a, on a piece of paper. On your Kodak carousel slide machine. I'm nearly reminded of that old Paul Simon song called Kodachrome. Expat joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracat. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 25 years is reason to celebrate. Cash in on October deals during the 25th anniversary of Emergency Essentials. Going on now, save 26% off clarified butter, 24% off honey oat granola, and save 50% off a kitchen fire extinguisher. A must for any kitchen emergency. Stock your car with a RoadWise Emergency 72-hour kit, only $34.99 at BePrepared.com. New this month, two varieties of Mountain House just-in-case buckets. Your favorite Mountain House pouches packed in a convenient bucket. Find a super deal this month only for the Goal Zero Lighthouse LED Lantern and Nomad 7 Solar Panel. ISAT Potassium Iodide Tablets are on sale. And as always, check out the Emergency Essentials Group Specials now through October 31st. Call 800-999-1863 for exceptional customer service and Emergency Essentials low price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or beprepared.com. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later... And the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time.
hope that you do listen to the Paracast because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal. Funny how we speak of Kodak and then we think about a company in bankruptcy. It's better days behind it. Didn't adequately adapt to the new technologies. We have expat joining Gene and Chris in the Paracast, completing answers to our listeners' questions. Expat, you had more to say. Yes, the other problem with um, what has been alleged is that you cannot successfully airbrush a, a film negative. You, you have to understand that when you're going to print a negative, the, the paper on which you're going to print it on starts off as white, okay? Now, when it sees some light, it darkens. It can darken all the way to black, or it can find no light and therefore stay all white. And the degree to which any, any particular spot on the paper uh, darkens depends upon the, uh, the, um, the transparency of the negative. Okay, if the, if the spot on the negative is entirely transparent, then that spot on the print will become black. If, if it's entirely opaque, then that spot on the print will never see any light and will remain white. Now, the problem with the allegation of airbrushing a negative is that you cannot successfully use an airbrush to make a part of the negative more transparent. That's impossible. You just can't do it. You can make it, you can make it less transparent by spraying ink on it, I suppose, but nobody does that. So this story yeah, easy of, to, yeah, of changing very easy to detect. I mean, come on. There's there's no way you could you could hide evidence of that. Well, what was uh, again? Trained observer kind of has a follow up question here about this. What what was Ken Johnson's actual role at NASA? Do we know? James Oberg uh, has reported that attempts to verify his claims of being a former Marine pilot have failed. And as you pointed out, his claim of seeing somebody airbrush or paint over a negative doesn't make sense. Uh, particularly if he is also allegedly an expert in photography. Do you know or do we know if he was actually a test pilot at NASA and the Space Administration Data and Photo Control Department manager? Do we know this? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I, 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 Chris, I, I know the story very well. Uh, let's start with, uh, with Ken Johnston's service in the Marines. He served honorably uh, as an aircraft technician, and went and took training courses to become a, a, an F-4 pilot. However, he, he never finished that course. He never became a licensed pilot. And in fact, there was a change made between the first and second edition of the book Dark Mission by Richard Hoagland and Mike Barra. They, when it went to a second edition, they made the following changes. When the first edition said, after a tour of duty in the Marines as an F-4 pilot, he went to work at NASA as a chief lunar module test pilot. Okay, when it came to the second edition, they removed the words, as an F-4 pilot, and replaced them with the phrase, where he trained in planes such as the F-4 Phantom, and they removed the words as a chief lunar module test pilot at NASA. That's, that was for the second edition. Now, there's no doubt whatever that Ken Johnston did act as a, uh, a technician for Grumman 
who made the, who were the manufacturers of the lunar module, and he was an expert at the uh, the controls, and in fact um, he did uh, serve as an instructor for the astronauts in the, how to fly the lunar module. And I also again will emphasize he served his country honorably in the Marines. I'm I'm not uh, taking away from his service in any way. And I don't necessarily think that he falsified his um, his bio to Mike Barra and Richard Hoagland. It may well be that they simply misunderstood it. Now, when we come to his uh, service at NASA, he wasn't a direct um, employee of NASA. He was a contractor employed by Brown and Root. And his role was in the Lunar Receiving Laboratory dealing with the lunar rock samples. And his, his part of his role was to send out the lunar rock samples to scientists who had successfully applied for permission to analyze them. And in, along with the package, he had to send out any photographic support which would show exactly where the sample was collected and what its orientation was and, and so on. And for that purpose, he had four or five complete sets of the photographs that were taken by all of the Apollo astronauts. Now, these were not the, the masters. Richard Hoagland and Mike Barra like to say that these were the original masters, but that is absolutely not true. The original masters were, were held in a completely different building. The, the, uh, the, the complete Apollo photographic archive was nothing to do with the, with where Ken Johnston worked. They were certainly early generation prints, yes, I would not deny that. But even today, you can order an early generation print of any NASA Apollo photograph you want. You simply have to pay them some money. It's public property. Um, one would hope that uh, with all the tax dollars that have been spent, billions of dollars, uh, further in our knowledge of space, that uh, the people that are footing the bill have access to the data. Well, here's something that's always puzzled me, and uh, it leads me to a question by one of our oldest posters at forum.theparacast.com, Pixel Smith, and he wants to know if you are aware of Alan Sturm's ebook titled ULOs, uh, and he brings up the whole subject of transient lunar um, phenomena, which have been reported all the way back uh, <laughs> hundreds of years since we first really, uh, Galileo and and uh, subsequent early astronomers, uh, of course, one of the first things that they looked at was the moon. And we have case after case after case after case of astronomers observing strange light flashes, um, objects seeming to transit uh, across the face of the moon. Where do you come down on, on that whole um, very puzzling phenomenon? Oh, yes, transient lunar phenomena unquestionably exist. One of the people who, who has documented them as much as anybody is the English astronomer Patrick Moore. And in the course of my, my work for the BBC, I, I uh, came to know Patrick pretty well. And in fact, he and I went to Moscow together for, um, to, to report on the Soviet, um, the so-called Lunokhod, which was, a, which was a remote vehicle on the moon. Yes, Patrick has documented uh, these strange flashing lights all over the moon, they, they don't seem to be grouped in the, in the seas or the highlands. They're in all kinds of different places. 
And they are mysterious. They've, they've been ascribed to outgassing. But you know, that, that doesn't sound terribly convincing to me, uh, actually. So I don't know what they are. They're definitely interesting. As for ELOs, I didn't know about that, but, but I read about that in Mike Barra's book, Ancient Aliens on the Moon. There you go, Mike. I plugged it again. At the end of uh, Chapter 9, he actually talks about that book. And he shows a picture of what he calls a power station, which came from uh, that book. He says, I, I, I can't look up the quote right now, but he says something like he had wanted this, this to be a much bigger part of his own book, but the author uh, didn't want that, so that uh, it, was, it, it was reduced to a kind of footnote. What about uh, objects that have been seen uh, seemingly to go across uh, the face of the moon? I, I know there's many dozens of uh, astronomical observations that have seen what appear to be craft uh, flying across in front of the moon, even uh, groups of objects. Uh, and there's, there's just – I've seen a list somewhere. I, it kind of escapes me right now, but I've seen a very impressive list of many pages of – of observations from the um, 16, 17, 1800s, 19, you know, 1920th century of, of these uh, unexplained uh, transients across the moon. Well, all I would say about that is that they're unexplained. I don't think we can go any further than that. Well, where do you come down on the whole subject of UFOs? Uh, you know, obviously UFO is a very generic sort of blanket term, but do you feel that there are structured craft flying around in our atmosphere that we can't explain um, as being terrestrial, let's say, or being uh, under some sort of human intelligent uh, control. I mean, you befriended many people uh, over the years in, in the, uh, you know, the scientific community and in the space programs and stuff. I mean, where, where do you come down personally on this? He's going to give his answer in a moment. Remember, folks, you'll find us on Twitter, our name. The Paracast. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Here it comes, another cold and flu season. 
Get ready for it and save now during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't be without powerful natural flu fighters like elderberry power capsules. They support the immune system and they have antiviral properties. Another powerful antiviral is olive leaf capsules, highly recommended by Herbal Healer Academy. Also on sale is Physician Strength Oregacillin, a savior for the lungs. It fights bacteria, virus, and fungus. Our famous four-herb capsules are a gentle liver cleanser and can be taken daily. Also featured this winter are the homeopathic detoxes, liver, kidney, lung, limb, whole body and brain detox on sale and remember as always new customers get a free 128 page catalog with your order log on and hit the pre-winter specials at herbalhealer.com healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988 Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. One of those cliffhangers on the Paracast, where expat, our guest this week, was asked by Chris about UFOs. What say you? Well, of course, the easy answer from the scientific point of view is the the one that uh, Carl Sagan gave uh, a long time ago. He said, uh, UFOs are, by definition, unexplained. Um, and uh, therefore, we, we, there, is, there is no point in, in going... They're unidentified. Sorry, excuse me, I, didn't, I don't mean unexplained. Unidentified, and therefore, since they're unidentified, that's the end of the story, so far as science is concerned. Well, <clears throat> Chris, this is not my subject at all, I must say, but I, I can comment a bit. It's obviously understandable that people would try to have a guess at what these things are. Obviously, also, I think everybody would agree that some of them, a proportion of them, have a natural explanation, and a proportion of them don't. To the extent that people allege a cover-up, I can kind of understand that if some of them are actually secret aircraft that are under development and that are that are classified, then those would, of course, be covered up. And that might very well explain the so-called um, silent triangles that uh, Art Bell and other people have seen. Now, one more comment. Um, as I say, it's not really my subject, but to me, the least convincing evidence of UFOs is the stuff that was shot from the space shuttle showing particles that they're doing strange things, aerobatics going at right angles, suddenly reversing direction. These are completely easily explained by the fact that all spacecraft are accompanied by particles, bits of uh, moisture to do with the dumping of, um, of human waste overboard. And this is uh, quite easily explained. James Oberg has done a brilliant job with this. You should look, you should look at James Oberg's website. He's, uh, he's written thousands and thousands of words about this and, and, very, and a very, from a very uh, expert pers- uh, perspective. This leads me to a whole slew of questions from, from Blaby Boy, uh, who is a fairly recent addition to our uh, posting family at forum.theparacast.com. He's got a bunch of really good questions here, and let me just start off with his first one. 
What is your opinion of the appetite within major news organizations to deliver impartial information on space and the possibility of life? The BBC strives for impartiality, often facing allegations of favoritism from many aspects of the political spectrum in doing so. Did this ever become a problem with any of the documentaries you were involved in or perhaps uh, your knowledge through your network of peers? Uh, it didn't exactly become a problem the way that, that he's that he's put that question. Um, I, I, I did have a political problem with a show that I did called The Peace Game, which was, uh, which was a crisis game involving uh, an examination of how NATO would respond to a, a, a provocation from the Soviet Union. This was in the, still in the time of the Cold War. Um, I was warned off taking a certain line uh, in that uh, in the script of that program by the um, by the by the Foreign Office, and that that was pretty pretty nasty because the Foreign Office is not supposed to interfere with um, the BBC domestic television service. They they own the BBC overseas service, and they're very welcome to control that. But they're not supposed to interfere with the BBC domestic television service and in that particular case they did I was um, appalled actually I think I should have resigned but I didn't uh, a bunch of other questions that Blaby Boy has Um, as interest waned in the later Apollo missions did NASA themselves contemplate more extraordinary missions to try and maintain or rekindle interest in the Apollo missions um, and that leads to a whole slew of questions about uh, about manned spaceflight in the 21st century. But um, did you ever hear of any sort of ideas that were being bannered about to try to get uh, uh, rekindle sort of interest? Because after about the third or fourth Apollo mission, you know, it became mundane and routine. Uh, I remember thinking, how could people not be excited by this? But you know, it was relegated to, uh, you know, page two, page three stories. Um, well, how you, you, you can say, if you want to be really cynical, that, that Apollo 13 was what rekindled interest because, uh, as we all know, it blew up on the way to the moon and there was only by a miracle that uh, Jim Lovell and his crew were saved. That, that definitely rekindled interest, but uh, that, that, that wasn't intentional. No, I didn't. I would like. I'd like to say that I think not. Not many people realize what an enormous fight developed within NASA about the cancellation of Apollo's eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. They were, they were canceled really for political reasons, and they were canceled. Certain senior people in NASA acquiesced to that, and it, the allegation of the time was that they were basically just scared that the time would come that they would lose a crew and that they wouldn't be able to cope with that. So they, they, they agreed to the political cancellation of Apollo's 18, 19, 20, basically because they were scared. And that was the opinion of senior astronauts. I know that because I interviewed them and they told me this. So there was quite a fight about that, but I, but I don't know of any extraordinary airy-fairy mission plans, no. Did that take the fire out of the space program, though, that decision? 
Um, yes, it, well, it, it manned spaceflight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe, but but uh, we've yeah, got, we've forged ahead with unmanned stuff, big time. Sure, uh, unmanned spaceflight has been uh, spectacular. Absolutely. Now it it, it was a, a, a problem because it it led to basically a lot of Apollo astronauts losing their missions. There were people who had trained for years and years and years, uh, who, who confidently expected to be on those missions, and uh, they were told, "Sorry, sorry, boys, that you're not going to fly." It was it was a, a very big deal. This is uh, leads to another question: uh, What are the best or most interesting rumors or conjectures around manned space flight uh, that you've been hearing? Maybe scuttlebutt. Is there any hope uh, for the early 21st century for a manned space flight? I mean, what are we looking at? India, China? I mean, the U.S. is almost out of out of the game. I'm a bit of a fan for the uh, Phobos mission, I must say, actually. Uh, initially, I, I was in favor of um, a return to the moon and the establishment of a permanent um, base on the moon. But uh, there was a commission set up by uh, by the um, the Obama administration. I forget the name of the commission, but they were they were asked to study all these options. And uh, as a result of their report, the manned return to the moon really was next. And I I, I became convinced by that. I think that was the right decision. I don't think there's enough percentage in going to the moon. Uh, it would be lovely if we could go to Mars, but there's a huge problem with, with a manned mission to Mars, and that is if you want to come home again, you've got to take a huge rocket with you. It's not like uh, taking off from the moon. <laughs> right. When they took off in that little tiny lunar module. Yeah, it's, it's got to be a two-way trip. It can't be a one-way trip uh, unless you have some uh, kamikaze pilots. Well, you know, that, that has been discussed. I uh, bet. Yeah. Bad PR, though. It's not something that obviously would function as a PR. But, of course, I'm sure there are people who would like to send me on the one-way mission. <laughs> to the moon, Gene. To the moon. To the moon, Alice. We have expat joining us, former BBC producer covering the space program. We're talking about space mysteries with what he considers to be a reality check. With Gene and Chris, you're in... The Paracast. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest as seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1 866 277 The code SCENE1 to save 10%. 
10%. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is renovation teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All renovation teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order renovation teas at renovationtea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. You store guns, ammo, and food and water. But do you store peace of mind when it comes to your firearms? Now you can with Duracoat. The last thing anyone needs is a firearm that won't work when you need it most. Improve the factory finish and Duracoat your firearms once for a lifetime of protection against rust and corrosion. And Duracoat also protects against water, salt water, mud, grime, or whatever nature throws at you. The Duracoat Shake and Spray Finishing Kit has everything you need to finish a complete firearm for just $34.95. No need for an airbrush or other spray equipment. Just degrease, then spray on Duracoat and let dry for a lifetime of protection. Duracoat is the simplest and most user-friendly firearm finish you can buy. Use Duracoat on knives, camping equipment, or anything metal, plastic, or wood you want to protect from the elements. Call 800-830-6677 or visit Duracoat.net. Spelled D-U-R-A-C-O-A-T.net. Duracoat, the finest firearm finish on the planet. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That's Chris O'Brien channeling his inner Charlie Weaver. I don't know. That's really too old a joke that nobody remembers who Cliff Arquette was. But he was a guy who always played the old man, the kind of cranky old man character, right, Chris? Charlie Weaver. God, I haven't heard that name in a while. Cliff Arquette. And, of course, we know about the children and the grandchildren of Cliff Arquette. Well, I've got a whole bunch of really good questions here from Blaby Boy, and I want to uh, just put a, you know, a, a shout out to him for coming up with so many great questions here. 
And uh, he asked, do you agree with Stephen Hawking that humans are only going to survive by moving out into outer space? And will this be the underlying driver within academic circles for progressing spaceflight? And, and I add my own little caveat. Do we, are we dealing with some sort of evolutionary imperative to get us off the planet to seed the, uh, the galaxy? Because we know the sun's going to go supernova and asteroids going to hit. Do you think that uh, the powers that be and the purse strings uh, holders are, are thinking along these lines? Well, the short answer is no. I don't. I don't agree with uh, Hawking's view. I don't think that that's the only way to survive. The, the way to survive is to become more intelligent and to stop fighting wars with each other. Um, <laughs> oh man, good answer. Um, I, I want to mention one rather fanciful idea which uh, I ascribe to. I, I think it was the same um, astronomer Patrick Moore who I mentioned who said that uh, all, of, all of humankind's achievements are really the inventions of the DNA molecule. The DNA molecule, once it was, um, once it was first made, sought ways in which to distribute itself more and more widely uh, throughout, the, throughout the Earth. And, of course, by, it did that by creating more and different organisms that could live in the oceans and on mountains and in Antarctica, and the latest invention of the DNA molecule is the human being and the technology to take it off the, off the surface of the Earth altogether. That's, an, that's a rather intriguing and philosophical idea. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Jane? Well, if we're destined to go out there, why aren't we? You haven't got the money. Yeah, it's dough. It's, it's all budgetary. Right. But you would think, I mean, with the amount of money that we'd spend killing each other and starving each other, and if we could apply just a fraction of that money to further our, our scientific uh, explorations out in space, I think, I think it would serve mankind a lot better instead of the armament companies and, uh, oh, my God, Gene, I'm getting political again. Oh, stop me, stop me. Okay, you want a real slap? I'm going to give you this slap on the head they do on the TV show NCIS. There you go. I may say that that's, that is, you're, you're spouting one of Richard Hoagland's lines there. And there, that, that is something that he says that uh, I, I, I actually agree with him. That uh, it's penny pinching to worry about the cost of space flight, which is, is such a, a tiny proportion of the defense budget that it's pretty much coffee money to the, to the uh, generals who, who live by killing other people. Yes, but it means they have to kill a few less people. Yeah. They have to kill a few less people and sell a few less tanks, helicopters, uh, you know, b b munitions, rockets, uh, missiles. All of this to build a couple of Daisy cutters, cluster bombs, atmospheric barometric bombs. Uh, these guys, boy, you, you get a bunch of scientists with a mandate and a bunch of money. They're going to come up with all sorts of stuff. Why not come up with a way... To further humankind's knowledge and experiences of the cosmos. And maybe the destiny of humankind to go to the cosmos, live long and prosper amongst the stars. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Oh, forget Well, that. here's another question from sure. Boy. Uh, what do you think, expat? Which will give us more bang for our buck? Back to the moon or on to Mars? On to Mars, but I, but I think for the reasons um, stated that uh, we probably should stop at Phobos. 
Uh, and that's because it's very easy indeed to escape from Phobos. It's, um, it's only about uh, 30 kilometers across. In fact, the whole, the whole idea of landing on Phobos is really perhaps the wrong word. You should consider yourself to be attaching to Phobos rather than landing on it because it has its microgravity. So it would solve that problem, and we would mean we would have a, a stable platform from which to observe Mars underneath us. But as I say, there's, there has been serious thought to the one-way trip. People who would volunteer to go to Mars, tramp around, and um, when they ran out of oxygen, say, say goodnight. Goodnight, Alice. <laughs> okay, uh, that's kind of maudlin, but uh, moving yeah, right it's along. It's kind of morbid, but you have to think that's the kind of mission that would never sell. Or what they would do, of course, is they would chalk it up to being an accident. They'd say, sure, we plan to bring these people back, but something sad went wrong. Oh, no, they couldn't do that. It would, it would be absolutely totally obvious to anybody who understands spaceflight. Uh, just simply looking at the size of the, of the spacecraft they were sending, you could tell immediately whether there was any possibility of coming back or not. They couldn't get away with it unless someone was there to just accept it. I agree there's no way they get away with that. We have to find ways, if we want to go really to Mars, to get them there and get them back and develop the technology. Maybe we will develop warp drive. There's one um, you were asking about, um, the uh, things that are, uh, that are kind of in the pipeline, rumors, conjectures at the moment. And um, there's one that I like, and that apparently that um, Marshall Space Flight Center, they're studying a, a fission engine. This would be an enormously efficient engine that would work by controlled nuclear um, fission. Excuse me, I, I think I mean a fusion engine, not, not fission. This is, this is the, uh, the, techno- the technology of a hydrogen bomb, but tamed. And it would make such an enormously efficient um, rocket engine that you could go to Mars in half the time. be great if that happened. Would it have a power, that kind of aircraft to be able to take people back from Mars? Well, uh, the, the, the mathematics works out right. You see, um, the problem with a high-speed journey to Mars is that you need to expend just as much energy slowing yourself down in order to be captured by Mars gravity as you did to speed up in the first place. So that's extremely wasteful. Um, that's Not to mention also escaping the gravity of Mars on your return trip as well. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a different problem. But uh, I think the thing about this, um, a fusion engine, is that it's so incredibly efficient that you, you you no longer care that you wasted all that energy speeding up in order to or just, just expend more energy to slow yourself down again. The great of it, as I say, great. The, the mathematics are. Well, there they work, but uh, it's not—it's not a reality yet. Well, maybe something they can invest in, but the politicians don't have the stomach for it. Remember, folks, you'll find us on Twitter. Our name, the Paracast. We have expat joining us, covering the mysteries of space and answering your questions, ladies and gentlemen. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. <laughs> Good 
The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com if you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapel has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapel. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. This is your call to action. Will you survive? Learn how to survive at the biggest preparedness expo in the USA. The Get Prepared Expo. Over 175 seminars and exhibits. Survival medicine, survival gardening, growing heirloom seeds, negotiating for your life, surviving violent climate change, radiation survival, economic collapse, disease prevention, raising bees, rabbits, and chickens for food, defending your home and family, surviving tornadoes, water filtration and purification, build buckets of storable food. Ask yourself, are you prepared for solar storms, nuclear meltdown, dollar collapse, skyrocketing food and 
and fuel prices, earthquakes, tornadoes. Where is your plan? Get Prepared Expo, Saturday and Sunday, November 3rd and 4th, Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, Springfield, Missouri. Meet USA Prepares, Vincent Finelli, Dr. Norman Sheely, Dr. Joel Wallach, Matt Stein, The Freeze Dry Guy, Missouri Storm Shelters, Jeff and Karen Olson, and over 50 more instructors. $8 one day and $15 weekend passes available online now. GetPreparedExpo.com. Will you survive? GetPreparedExpo.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. What a fascinating show. And I do not think we're going to be sued, Chris, by Richard Hoagland or Mike Barra. They won't like us very much. I, don't I think hope not. Yeah. I, my lawyer doesn't deserve any of my money. I, I try to make it so that he doesn't have to even think about that. So, Well, I know that if the lawyer sends me a bill, I just put it atop the other bills. <laughs> Do you feel like getting into um, the Hoagland-Berra theories about how NASA worships the Egyptian gods? Why not? I, I didn't want to go there, but uh, since you brought it up, Go for the gusto. Let's go for the gusto, and then we probably will have time for some more questions. I know we have a bunch. Yeah, again, this is something that I've blogged about uh, many times, and I, it's just um, it's a complete comedy to me. What uh, Richard Hoagland and Mike Barra say is as follows, that there are senior people in uh, NASA who want to pay homage to the Egyptian gods Isis, Osiris, and Horus. And they do this by means of worshipping the proxies of those gods, which are the stars Sirius, that Sirius stands for Isis, Regulus stands for Horus, and the three belt stars of Orion, Al-Nitak, Al-Nilam, and Mintaka, stand for Osiris. Okay? So that's five stars. And they say that uh, these senior NASA officials actually fix it so that the that major mission events like launches and landings happen only when any of those five stars is at any of five elevations as seen from some place that's relevant to the mission. Those five elevations are minus 33 degrees, minus 19.5 degrees, zero, 19.5, and 33. So they say any of those five stars should be on any of those five, any of those five elevations in order to, to justify what they say is an obsessive, relentless campaign on, on the part of these uh, NASA officials. Richard Hoagland used those words, relentless and obsessive. Okay, what is a campaign good. if it's not relentless and obsessive? Well, we can test this. Right, we can, okay. We can look. In fact, Richard Hoagland published what he called a table of coincidence on his website, which listed the, the mission events that he felt were qualified under this uh, theory. You go through it program by program, the Ranger program, that was the, uh, the early uh, lunar unmanned uh, program, there were no qualified events. The Surveyor program, no qualified events. 
the Mercury program, no qualified events, the Gemini program, no qualified events, the Apollo program, four. So that is four hits out of 223 possible opportunities, which makes 1.8%. I don't think this is very good data. Well, it doesn't really put in you know, any sort of case for an occult uh, angle to mission planning if, uh, if we're dealing with such a small percentage of, of, of missions uh, that fit into their theory. Uh, well, I've it, always it, scratched my head and thought, and thought that that was um, fuzzy logic, for lack of a better term. But, um, you know, it, again, it comes back to that whole idea of having to come up with new and different things to keep the career going, don't you think? Well, you know, it gets better. Hold on. In the, in the space shuttle program, there were 135 launches, and very sadly, only 133 landings. How many of those conformed to this idea of Egyptian god worship? The only one that Richard Hoagland has stated as conforming was the launch of STS-88, which was back in December 1998. When he says that the planet Mars was at, a, a, at, a, at an elevation of minus 3.33 degrees as seen from Phoenix... Okay, that fails to qualify on four separate grounds. First of all, it uses the planet Mars, which is not one of their five stars. Secondly, it uses the elevation minus 3.33 degrees, which is not one of their ritual elevations. Thirdly, it, re it uses the view from Phoenix, which has nothing to do with the mission. And fourthly, it uses the launch time that actually happened as opposed to the launch time that was planned. Now, Richard Hoagland has agreed that it only applies to the launch time as planned because, quite obviously, these uh, occult uh, worshippers of Egyptian gods cannot take account of the, of the many, many launch delays. Well, so, of course, they can't predict anything that accurately. Right. Of course. So... So, therefore, that one is disqualified also. You know, when I listen to this, my mind is boggling over the elaborate scenarios that are being created to demonstrate occult connections with anything. And why do we need to do that? I can't even see the reasoning behind it. I Gene, really I've mentioned this on the show before. Sure. I One of the few times that I tuned into Coast to Coast was after the Phoenix Lights um, you know, event that occurred uh, second week of March uh, was in 1997, and Hoagland had a huge turnout, a whole auditorium of people that paid a lot of money to sit and listen to him. And he introduced Vance Davis of the Gulf Breeze Six as his Masonic scholar, and this is about the time I think when he started going into this whole occult twist to his uh, his uh, well I use the word loosely research but uh, <laughs> if anybody out there in the audience knows about Vance Davis and the Ouija board uh, scenario with the Gulf Breeze 6 uh, or was it 7 I'm not sure uh, I'm, I kind of put it out of my mind um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me and expat well what do you think uh, is this just grandstanding I mean what do you attribute this to this was, in fact, one of the, uh, the things that brought 
that brought Richard Hoagland to my attention on back in the old days with Art Bell on, on Coast to Coast AM when he mentioned this uh, ritual worship of Egyptian gods. That's, uh, I, I kind of remember sitting bolt upright in bed saying, this man is absolutely crazy. Okay, Part of it is, is uh, to do with um, a geologist by the name of Farouk El-Baz, who was uh, very influential in selecting the Apollo landing sites. And Farouk El-Baz is uh, Egyptian by birth. And I think that this is what uh, somehow got to Richard Hoagland when he realized that the Apollo landing sites were essentially being selected by an Egyptian. Oh, there has to be a conspiracy when you have an Egyptian there. It just doesn't. You know, I also wonder here whether we hit a situation where people who like to tell tall tales, which is, of course, the position that's being taken here, that they have to be bigger, badder, better every time. So every time they tell a story, it's got to be a better story because the audience is expecting something new. It's not that you just have the face on Mars and you spend the rest of your life with the face on Mars or the bridges on the moon or whatever it is. Each time you do a lecture or at least every six months or every year, people are expecting more and more revelations. And sometimes those revelations get to be so eccentric that even those who might have accepted the reality of some of the initial claims suddenly find themselves wondering whether this is a bridge too far in the wrong direction. Gene, I, I, I very much agree. And I you think see, that, you're that, one of the few people who do, I'll tell you. We, I think we saw a very good example of that last year in all of the foo-for-raw about um, Comet Elenin. Do you remember that? Sadly, I don't, or maybe I should be happy I don't. Uh, Remember, folks, you'll find us on Twitter. Our name, The Paracast. We have expat joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are... The GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio, DreamHost.com radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters, 
DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills. Excalibur food dehydrators. Tatler reusable canning lids. Sun oven solar cookers. EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics. And don't be without your Life Straw personal water filter. All from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. Vote for radio. You know, right now, so many people are trying to get themselves elected. Not a day goes by I don't see a billboard or get a mailer or a flyer or receive a phone call from a politician of some sort. All politicians have something to say, so why don't they say it? That's right, say it here on the radio. That way, voters could hear the emotion in their voices and hear the passion they might have to serve the public as an elected official. You know what, politicians and campaign managers? Radio can do that for you. Here on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, you can target voters with an affordable radio campaign that might help you get elected by using a medium where your competition may not be. Radio. And advertising on GCN is more affordable than you might think. Learn more. Visit GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email. Advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Vote for radio. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. We have expat joining us, a former BBC producer covering the space program trying to provide what he regards as a reality check to space mysteries. The final segment of the Paracast with Gene and Chris. Expat, any more comments on that before we clean up some more questions? Well, I just want to, to, to guess, comment a little bit about, um, about Comet Elanin, which, is, which was last year's story. Um, Richard Hoagland was uh, really, really extravagant uh, about that. He went on for hours and hours and hours. Not the only Homer on the Simpson moment. And all of it was absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. He went into this huge pseudo-statistical analysis of the orbit of this comet and attempted to prove that it, it was a, a t- six billion to one chance against it having the exact orbit that it did have. All of that was absolute nonsense. Okay. Well, it reminds me of Ed Dames uh, innocently mentioning uh, the companion to Hale Bop, and then the whole Heaven's Gate thing 
just in a weird sort of, I don't know, kind of reality show nightmare sort of unfolded with all those people killing themselves so that they could go teleport to the companion to Hale Bop. And man, I'll tell you, some of this stuff you really have to be careful. If you're in the public eye, there's a lot of people out there that aren't educated, that are very gullible, that believe anything they hear. And I think people in the position of having some sort of stature uh, in the public eye should really take that responsibility to heart and, and realize this stuff can backfire uh, if you get <laughs> too far ahead of yourself. Well, this, this leads to a couple of interesting questions about you uh, personally. Um, this, again, uh, from Blaby Boy. You're semi-retired now, expat. So evidently you're working on another project, and I'm not sure what he's referring to, but he asks, is this project something that may be of interest to Paracast listeners? Uh, yeah, I don't know where he gets that from. Um, I'm not working on anything to do with space. I do um, uh, technical authorship and technical editing I have, ver- I have various clients in the in the high tech business. I do I do documentation for them. Um, no, I'm not I'm not involved in anything other than my blog, which of course I'm not paid for. What is the one thing that you hope for space? You know, in terms of space in your lifetime, and what one thing will actually happen uh, in the remaining years that you and me and Gene have have left? It it seems like we've kind of hit a a bit of a dry spell, a lull, definitely with manned space flight uh, in the United States. But, for instance, do you think the Chinese, the Indians, and, and other private uh, space concerns? Of course, we, we know about Richard Branson. We know about uh, Robert Bigelow and his space hotel. What do you see happening in the next couple, couple three decades? Uh, is there any hope for, uh, for Earthlings to uh, hurl themselves out into the great void? Well, my hope would be that we see a, a lander on Europa, Europa, the moon of Saturn, which is a, an icy moon, and it's been suggested that there is a possibility of some kind of life existing on Europa. At one time, Richard Hoagland himself was a bit involved in that question. Um, it is a possibility. Some, a lot of very good science work has been done on that. And uh, that's uh, something that personally I would love to see, but that's not going to be um, a manned mission at all. That would, that would not. That, that's not possible. It's going to be unmanned. The the Chinese are going to land on the moon, damn soon. Um, yeah, probably next year or something. And that'll be fun. I'll I'll, I'll watch yeah. that with great interest. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you, two two point three billion Chinese are going to be right. They're not going to be wrong. They're going to have. Uh, a lot to do and have a lot of influence on what happens on this planet in the next few decades. Hello. So what do you think? Well, is there hope for other countries getting involved in uh, space exploration, manned or otherwise? Definitely the Chinese, definitely the Indians. Um, I'm not sure about the Russians. They don't seem to have any money. They're in a problem even worse than we are in, in that regard. But who knows? They might. They might come popping back up again. About the whole idea of, of private, uh, the private sector taking over some of the heavy lifting for refurbishing the space station and, and things like that. Now, space tourism, uh, do, you, do you think that these are 
you know, viable commercial operations uh, with uh, with Branson's Virgin Airlines uh, tourist flights and, of course, uh, Bigelow Aerospace planning on putting a hotel up there. Do you think these are just pipe dreams or do you think that these are actually – there's enough people that are willing to spend a quarter of a million dollars or however much it's going to take to uh, – to be one of those few people that have been, uh, you know, have the resources to go into space privately. Well, it's good that you're asking this on the day after a very significant success by SpaceX, uh, they, they, who successfully launched their Dragon capsule just yesterday. Although, because yep. this is, I'm speaking of the day that we recorded this program rather than the day it's it's going to go on the air. Uh, but that was a big success yesterday and good for SpaceX. I'm um, an enthusiast for private space ventures. Um, I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever that there will be suborbital space tourism in uh, the not-too-distant future. I don't know about orbital. I don't know about uh, hotels. That's... Um, that's a bit of a problem because of the training people are going to need for zero-G. Yes, indeed. You've got to watch out for that zero-G because that can cause all sorts of complications. I kind of wonder what would happen if I lived for any period of time in a zero-gravitational environment. Hmm. You've got to be careful when you sneeze in space. I remember I, I, I mentioned that I did a whole uh, show for the Nova series about life in zero-G, so I... Um, I know about it and what it can do to human physiology, and it's um, it's definitely a problem, as we have seen many times when people have come back to Earth after a substantial time in orbit and not been able to walk. You know, the more I hear about this, the less I want to go into space. Oh, well. It's like in the old days when you uh, would be months at sea on a sailing ship and then you'd be on dry land. It would almost be like being on dry land and trying to get on a on, on a ship, it's uh, the human uh, body is is kind of geared towards uh, predictable gravity and 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 motion. And you're right, uh, the muscles atrophy, uh, the organs uh, kind of settle into a whole new um, place because of lack of, of gravity. And, and I'm sure producing that show, uh, you pointed these things out. But, yeah, well, uh, Chris, it, it's worse than that. It's not just the muscles, but the, the actual bones. You, you lose calcium in your bones, so your bones get brittle. Boy, I'm not looking forward to that when I get up there into, uh, you know, That's older why we age. have to have artificial gravitation. It's got to be like the Starship Enterprise. Right, or, or like in 2001 where they had the... Uh, the spinning uh, central core that uh, they would do the that great shot of 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 the astronaut jogging. Yes, uh, oh, that's. Um, I'm not a fan of science fiction in general, but 2001, I just love it. It's a terrific movie. And uh, by the way, I in the course of making that that uh, documentary about zero g, I used a shot of exactly that in the uh, in the. Skylab, which was a 1960s um, uh, series of missions, they had a, a ring of uh, storage lockers around the inside of that spacecraft, and it was big. It was a, it was an unused um, rocket tank, and they literally did jog around that uh, ring of storage lockers, just like in the movie. 
Sounds like something that was just spectacular. Expat, tell our listeners where they can read more of your material. My um, my blog is called The Emoluments of Mars. Emoluments really is a is a is simply a word that means payments. And I, of course, I'm referring to the profit that Richard Hoagland has made about writing on Mars. The address is http slash dorkmission dot blogspot.com dork mission d-o-r-k d-o-r-k dot blogspot.com okay chris o'brien who can't stop laughing has a site called ourstrangeplanet.com because it is a strange planet especially when hackers shut down our web server you can also find the paracast on twitter where we are known as the paracast expat thank you so much for joining us this week on the paracast thank you The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.